Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon is brought to you by Bible teacher Hector Ramirez and was recorded on Sunday, May 21st, 2023. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. You can also follow us on Instagram at FaithBridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for our online service called FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org live. Here's Hector. Hi, everybody. So glad that you're here for our Mission Send-Off Sunday. This is a high point in the year where we pray over some 350 youth that are going off in different directions on about 35 different journeys, as close as Houston for a week and as far as Botswana for two weeks. It's a marvelous ministry that we have called The Road. We're going to pray over all of those youth in just a little while. But first, we're going to hear a word from Hector Ramirez. Hector joined our staff at the start of the pandemic. He came on as a videographer because we needed more camera people when we were going all virtual. Over time, he uh, became our production director for worship. But the more I've gotten to know him, the more I've realized he really has a pastoral heart. He loves God and he loves people and he loves to bring the two together. I heard him give a message not long ago on missions and his heart just came through so clearly that I said afterwards, I believe you need to preach a message like that on our missions send off Sunday. That's what he's gonna do. But first, let me tell you, Hector's married to Shelby. She's also on our ministry team uh, in the kids ministry staff and they have little baby Milo. It's a marvelous family. You're gonna enjoy hearing from Hector today. Would you welcome him now? Well, good morning, Faithbridge. Good morning, everyone. What a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you, Pastor Ken, for such a a kind introduction. As you heard, my name is Hector. And uh, guys, I am blessed to be here today because it's a big Sunday, isn't it? Yes, mission send-off, which in case you missed it, that means that we're about to send over 30, 350 students, over 30 different teams to multiple countries around the world to spread God's word. Isn't that exciting? Yes. And I want to tell you, uh, you know, even though I serve in worship and production, my ministry actually started as a missionary, a missionary from Honduras. And so ministry, uh, missions ministry is right here, really, really close to my heart. And so that's why I'm telling you, I am so blessed of being here today. With that being said, though, I want to invite you guys, if you have your Bibles, open them up, turn them to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. That's where we're going to be today. And if you don't have a Bible, Uh, Please raise your hand and our faithful ushers are going to come by. They're going to give you one that you can take home if you please. And so before we dive in though, while we're doing this, I want to tell you a story. A story that actually inspired uh, this message and the message that Pastor Ken was talking about in that video. Because a couple years ago, I got to go my first mission journey with the road as an adult leader. And guys, it was such a powerful week. We took a group of nine students to the same village in Honduras where I first started serving in ministry. And so 
having been born in Honduras, you can't imagine how I felt. After many years, I returned to the same place. I got to serve with some of my old friends. The group of students that we took, they did a fantastic job at worshiping and leading and building relationships and sharing God's word with the community. Yet, for some reason, when I got back home, and after the excitement of a great week behind us, my heart just kept dwelling on something specific that happened during that week. You see, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that dwells on things for too long, but this time it was different. For some reason, my heart just felt burdened and heavy. And so what happened during that week, and towards the, end of, towards the beginning of the week, I remember Pastor Mario, who was our uh, mission partner that week, he came to us and he asked us to help him with a couple projects. And the first project was a construction project, building pews for a church up in a neighboring village. The second project, which was related to it, was to help that same church to reach the community by hosting a VBS. Of course, we said, absolutely, yes, you are blessing us right now. This is why we're here, to serve the community and to share God's word with everyone. And so we took on both projects, but this is the situation. Pastor Mario also comes to us and tells us that we might have bad weather coming our way that week. And so the problem with that is that both places that we're serving, the, the church and the school where we're hosting the VBS, they both sit on top of one of the highest mountains in that area. Now, the place itself is gorgeous. I actually have a picture here that I want to show you that will help you visualize how beautiful that place is. Vegetation, you see the views, it, landscapes, they are, it's amazing. The problem, though, is getting there. Yeah. The roads are narrow, they're unpaved. If, if it gets slippery really quick, if it rains, you really don't want to get stuck up there. Or even worse, you don't want to get stuck driving up there. So suffice to say, we were very concerned about weather. And so we did what we could best, which was praying and planning accordingly. The night before the first day of work, we met with our teams and we talked through all the different scenarios and, and we prayed and then we prayed and then we prayed. We went to bed that night and the next morning, guys, we were blessed. We had such a beautiful morning. We drove up there, it was a sunny day and we had no problems whatsoever driving up there. We got a lot of stuff done at the work site. The kids did a fantastic job of building pews and they were great, it was amazing. Then the afternoon comes around and it's time for BVS, right? Time to worship and time to share God's word with the community. And we start getting this healthy crowd of kids and their families. Like I remember their moms sitting around the soccer field watching us play soccer with their kids. It was such a beautiful moment. Like around 2.30, we huddled everybody up and we hit play on our little speaker and we start dancing. And we asked the kids to join us in dancing. And so it's such a beautiful moment, guys. As I was contemplating that, my peripheral view picks up something different, something a little strange. Like we were all dancing, and I don't know how many of you know the choreography to My Lighthouse. Any? <laughs> you know, My Lighthouse. You know, if you know that song and the choreography, you would know there's a lot of motion and stuff happening up here. It's not a lot happening down here. And I see this kid, and for some reason, his lower body is sort of out of control. And... <laughs> You know, I think, I thought to myself, I know the kid. So I thought, not on my watch. 
And so I turned around and I grabbed the attention of the lady that is helping us coordinate the event. She looks at him right away and she goes, Wilson. She grabs a piece of paper, turns it into a walker, and she starts fast walking towards Wilson. So I walk right behind her. And as we get closer to Wilson, I overhear him say in Spanish, huh, do they want me to dance? I'll show them some moves. <laughs> and so he starts dancing like that. And so at that moment, I realized, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. I, I really don't know if these kids know what we're supposed to be doing right now. Like, they don't know the words to the song. And of course, they don't know English. And we haven't yet communicated what we're supposed to be doing there. And even more important, who we're doing it for. And so while I'm processing all that, all I hear is, it took me a while to process that, so I couldn't get to the lady first. But, you know, Wilson is okay. I know him, and he is sort of used to that kind of discipline. But this is the thing. This is the thing, guys. That moment right there really hit me hard and even went back home with me. Because we were given such an incredible opportunity. We were so concerned about weather and all their conditions. Anything that could have happened that morning, that day. Yet God gave us this amazing chance to share God's word with them. And all we had them do was dancing with no purpose. And that experience, guys, made me ponder the message that we are looking at today, the passage that we're looking at. And so if you are already there, we're in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And so the Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then would they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Guys, if you're wondering, what does that have to do with Wilson and the kids up there? Well, I want you to stay with me for a moment because in this passage, Paul is writing to this church in Rome, to this community, this community of believers. And in this particular text, he is sort of spelling out for them the steps that lead to salvation. And so what we're going to do right now, we're going to read one more time through this passage. But this time, I'm going to highlight a few key words and key phrases so you and we can identify those steps that Paul is talking about. And so in verse 13... We see it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the key phrase there is, call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 14 says, how then would they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So the key words there will be believe, hear, preaching. Finally, verse 15 says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? So the key word there would be sent. And so Paul is describing these five steps. And I want to list them for us. But this time we're going to do them upside down. We're going to list them upside down. And we'll give you a little more logical order so that we understand them a little better. And if we do that, we'll see that according to Paul, if someone is to be saved, first someone must be sent. 
with the gospel. Second, someone must preach the gospel. Third, someone must hear the gospel. Fourth, someone must believe in the gospel. And fifth, and most important, that someone must call upon the name of the Lord. So let's talk about these five steps. And the first thing that I want you to notice is that out of these five steps, the last three really depend on God, the Holy Spirit, and the person who hears the gospel. Why? Because really you can go and we can preach and we can try to persuade people to believe and to surrender their lives to Jesus. But truly and really, the work of convicting, redeeming, and whether they believe or not and they surrender their lives to Jesus or not, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go to uh, John 16 with me. John 16, verse 7. And he says, Nevertheless... I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see, those last three really depend on the Holy Spirit and the person who hears the gospel. But the first two... Those first two steps that Paul is talking about, those first two really depend on us as believers. They are our responsibility, us uh, followers of Christ. And so today I want, us to, I want us to focus on those two because I think it's fitting given our context today. And the first step that Paul says, hey, if someone is to be saved, first someone must be sent with the gospel. So let's talk about sending and I want to start by saying that I know that many times when we talk about the concept of sending or being sent in the, in the biblical context, the first thing that comes to our mind is mission work, right? Mission journeys, much like we're about to do over summer here. And that is great. I truly believe that that is a biblical truth, that we need international impact to progress, to advance the gospel. That is great. But I also want us to sort of expand in our understanding of what mission work should look like. So I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. I know I'm asking you to jump around a little bit, but uh, the verse is also going to be on screen. So if you don't get there uh, quick enough, you can follow along. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love this passage. I love it because even though it's the same great commission that we're given in Matthew 28, when Jesus tells his disciples, all of them, you guys are going to go and you're going to make more disciples of all nations. Even though it's that same mandate, this passage gives us a different perspective. It adds this sort of geographical dimension. I want you to see what Jesus is saying to all his disciples. He says, you will be my witnesses and you will start in Jerusalem and then you will go to Judea and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. Notice it does end to the ends of the earth, but I want you to also see where it all starts. It all starts in Jerusalem in their own hometown. 
Now, why is that important, Hector? That is important because for many people, mission work is only about traveling and getting on a plane. And that is not right. I mean, international impact, again, it is important and we must advance the gospel that way because we also have the Samarias and we also have the, the ends of the earth, but it's not all there is. There's also your Jerusalem. And even for the disciples, what does that mean to start witnessing in Jerusalem? Well, think about it. Many of them probably grew up there. So even for the disciples, witnessing in Jerusalem meant that they had to start witnessing within their own circles, to their own families, to their own friends, even before considering going into a different region. So what that means is that, yes, guys, yes, mission work can be across the sea, absolutely, but it can also be across the street. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. Even for him, look, that's what Jesus did all the time. He, uh, every encounter that he had was transformative and it was intentional. From the woman at the well to the religious leaders, from, from healing people to rebuking them, every encounter that he had was intentional and transformative. And I think that's what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to be disciple makers, intentional about our encounters. From Jerusalem, from Spring, Texas, to the ends of the earth. And so, yes, if you can go on a mission journey, please go. Go to Honduras, please. Go to Nicaragua, go to Belize, go to Africa. Go wherever you can go and spread the gospel. But please do not forget that you don't have to be on a mission journey to be missional. Let me say that one more time. You don't have to be on a mission journey to be missional. We can live on mission every day of our lives. That's what we're called to do. And so let's talk about preaching. Because according to Paul, if someone is to be saved, then first someone must also preach the gospel, right? And I want to start here by maybe demystifying this word preaching, because I feel like when we talk about preaching, uh, many people disqualify themselves because they don't feel like they're preachers, or maybe they don't feel they're gifted in that particular ministry. But did you know that the word preaching used in this text actually does not refer to our current understanding of a preacher or preaching, as in the office of preaching? Like Pastor Ken, Pastor Dan, Brother Steve Carter are good examples of what we understand now as preachers, right? But this text is actually not referring specifically to that. And in fact, since I just mentioned Brother Steve, don't you love when he teaches new words? <laughs> right? I love it. I'm a fan of that. And so today, I'm going to try to honor him by pulling a Steve Carter off today. And you're going to help me with that. So that's to say, we're going to learn a new word. It's a Greek word. The Greek word used in this text for preaching. And that word is caruso. Repeat after me, caruso. caruso. Say one more time, caruso. caruso. Nice. So caruso actually refers to somebody who proclaims a message aloud. It's that simple. Much like a herald. And that is very interesting because heralds were a kind of messenger, a type of messenger very often, somebody with a loud voice. 
And often in times, that was the only prerequisite to be a herald. And so kings would employ heralds to communicate their messengers, their messengers uh, loud to the people, cloud, uh, clearly and publicly. And so the concept or the, the purpose of a herald is rather simple. It's just to proclaim a message out loud, publicly and clearly. You see what that means? Acts 1.8, it means that Jesus is asking us to be his messengers. Jesus is asking us to be his heralds. We are heralds of the king. Not any king, but the king of kings. Guys, that is such a privilege. That is such an honor. That is such a duty. You know, it reminds me of a story of a man named John Wycliffe. I don't know if you would know about Wycliffe, but he was a priest of the 14th century. And in that time, only priests had access to the scriptures. And Wycliffe realized that God had created his word, his scriptures to be available for everyone, not just priests. And so he set out to translate the Bible into as many languages as possible. Nothing was more important to Wycliffe than to communicate, to give the scripture and his message of salvation to Christ to everyone. And so it took him 22 years to finally translate the Bible. And after that, they made copies of it, but every copy would take 10 months to be made by hand. People became so eager because for the first time, they had access to the scriptures. They would rent it for hours at the time because there weren't enough copies for everyone. They would pay steep prices, like full wagons of hay, history holds. I don't know what that translates in our economy, but they were willing to pay whatever it took to have access to the scriptures. Of course, religious uh, leaders at that time, they didn't like that because it was stealing power from them. You see, remember, uh, priests were the only ones with access to the scriptures, and that was the power they held upon the people. So why would you give that kind of power to simple peasants? And so they didn't like that. They condemned, they condemned Wycliffe and his followers. Anyone who was caught reading or uh, renting the Bible was condemned and threatened to death. So Wycliffe realized he wasn't getting the Bible quick enough. And so he started training men. These men were, were called Lollards. And you know, there's a whole story about the Lollards movement and, and what they did. But what's important about the Lollards is that these men, they weren't particularly articulate or they weren't particularly successful. They were just available men. Men that decided and committed to communicate God's word. You know what they would do? Wycliffe trained them so that they would grab the copies of the scripture and go from door to door to read the Bible to the people. And once they ran out of copies, because at some point there were more lawlers than copies, they committed themselves to memorize the word. And they went and they recited the word to people. They would stand just in the middle of the street just to proclaim what they had in their minds and in their hearts so that people would hear it. Do you realize how bad they wanted to communicate the word? Many of them were killed. Many of them were persecuted. But that was the price that they were willing to pay so that we could have a translation in our own language. You know, when I think about stories like this, I can't, 
I can't help but to ask myself, if these people back then were willing to endure so much problems, so many you know, struggles, and, and so much persecution, so that we could have the word, how much more we that live in a relatively mild, non-persecuting time and part of the world, how much more should we strive to do the same? Guys, we are God's messengers. We are heralds of the king. We have a message that needs to be proclaimed. Many people out there don't know what they're missing. They don't know about the good news that is available for them. But you do. They need to hear about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who came and died on the cross for our sins, the one who was raised from the dead and through whom we have access to a newly restored relationship with our creator. Guys, we have a message and we need to proclaim it. If you want to do the same, because that, knowing that I am a herald of the king, really makes me want to go out and proclaim the gospel. And I want you to be encouraged and I want you to be empowered to do the same. So I want to give you today six action steps. Six action steps that will help you do just that. Proclaim the gospel. And, and it's a practical way to think about it. And we're going to use a word. We're going to use a acrostic. Uh, a word that spells preach. And so in which P, P stands for prepare. You know... At some point, at some point in our spiritual walk with Christ, we are going to be given the opportunity to witness to others. Look, at some point in our spiritual walk, we are going to have to pull our testimony and tell our story as part of God's story, God's story of redemption. And trust me, there's no better place to be than to be ready and to be prepared for that moment. And I know what you might be asking, Hector, how am I going to do that? I can barely get three words across. And trust me, I know it. I know it. English is not my first language. But I also know that God will empower you if you walk in obedience. Also, there's no reason why you shouldn't practice, why you shouldn't, you know, prepare for it. And I'm talking in a practical way. Like today, when you go out of here, during lunch or maybe in the afternoon, you can ask your friends, you can ask your family. Ask you how, how uh, First Peter says, how can you explain the faith that you have? How can you do that with kindness, with gentleness? How can you do that in an effective way? You know, I tend to tell people when they ask me uh, how I met Jesus or my transformation, what God has done in my life, I tend to tell them my life before Christ was reckless, I had no purpose. I was heading down a path of self-destruction. But when I met Jesus, he gave me purpose, he gave me joy, he gave me peace, he gave me self-control. And he can do the same for you. You see, God has given me many opportunities to witness, but at the very beginning, I was so afraid to share my testimony. I, I thought many, many things. But over the time, God has shown me that if I continually step in faith and share it, he will work with it. And he will bless other people through you. And so I want to encourage you, start articulating your, your testimony. Start articulating this, the story that God has given you. P says for prepare. R stands for recognize. 
Friends, we're going we, we to start learning how to recognize opportunities. You see, this really just requires us to have our ears and our eyes open to see what people are doing, to hear what people are saying. Like last Sunday, Pastor Ken taught a great message, and he was talking about Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. I don't know if you remember that passage, but what did Philip do? He recognized that this Ethiopian man was reading the scriptures, and he realized that he was probably not understanding what he was reading. And so he jumped in, he stepped in, and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And what did he say? He said, how can I understand if nobody explains it to me? And Philip had the opportunity then to witness about Jesus Christ in the scriptures because he recognized that opportunity. So I wonder how many more opportunities will we have if we learn how to recognize them? So R stands for recognize, E stands for engage. Engage in spiritual conversations. You know, we as Christians, we tend to resist the depth of a spiritual conversation. For some reason, many times we stop short and we stay on a casual level. And the challenge for us is to try to move that casual conversation into the depth of a spiritual conversation. And you don't have to be pushy. You don't have to be aggressive or rude about it. You can be kind and you can be patient. But what I want you to be is intentional. Try to move that conversation. Try to talk about, you know, heavenly matters. You don't know where God is going to use you to reach people if you are intentional about it. So A stands for assess. Assess. At some point, you will also have to assess, to discern. Hopefully, based on those spiritual conversations that you've been having with people, you will have to assess where these people are in their spiritual walk with Christ. You see, are they new believers? Well, maybe you can help them grow in Christ in the knowledge of our God. Are they strong believers? Well, let me grow learning what God has done in your life. Are they unbelievers? Would you see if they're open to a follow-up conversation? Maybe invite them to church, to an outreach event. Guys, you never know how God is going to use you. What we know is God meets us where we are, but you never know who's going to use to meet you or meet other people. That person might be you that God is waiting to use to meet them and bring them to him. But you have to learn how to assess, how to discern. See? stands for communicate. And this is our God-given opportunity. This is our God-given chance to what? To share our testimony, to share that story, to share about that joy and that peace that we share as Christians and followers of Christ, and that hopefully by God's grace, they will get to share as well. So we have to communicate. And finally, H stands for handed over. You see, up to this point, we have prepared, and we have recognized, and we have engaged, we have assessed, we have also communicated. And friends, at this point, we have to hand it over. We have to give it to Jesus and to his Holy Spirit that they will do the redeeming work in the people. And hopefully, prayfully, because that's what we have to do, we have to pray 
that these people will surrender their lives to God. Why do we do this? Well, friends, because the scriptures are clear. Only those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But secondly, because trust me, I know, and most likely you know, many people out there, many Wilsons out there, they are just acting up and dancing around like they get it, but they don't. They don't know what's available for them. They don't know about Jesus. But you do, I do, we do, and we have a message that needs to be proclaimed. We have a truth that needs to be heard. And that is what we are called to do. You, mom, dad, uncle, neighbor, everybody online, that's what we are called to be, disciple makers. We're heralds of the king. And that's what we all our over 350 students here are learning to be. We are all heralds of the king. Let's be that kind of people. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you are doing, Lord, in this church, in this community, with the students, Lord. And what you're going to do, really, Lord, with everyone who's willing to say, send me. Here I am. Lord, I just pray that you guide us and you direct us, Lord, every step of the way as we witness to the world about your glory. Lord, that you will empower us, Lord, that you give us these opportunities, Lord, to witness about you. Father, help us. As we step out in faith, Lord, and proclaim your message, your gospel. We pray, Lord, that you guide us, direct us, and protect us. And it's in the holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.